Hello, campers. We're back. We are finally back. Whoa. You are listening to Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke, the wonderfully spooky and campy uh, ha, ha, ah! camp puns uh, <laughs> podcast and half listeners are gone, uh, who, where we tell each other scary stories, true scary stories. Um, the only fiction here is the fact that we are not at a real camp. Hey. But uh, everything else we try to make as true as possible. Um, and my name is Katie Wiggins. My name is Morgan Driscoll. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Woo. I am curious, however, how your Thanksgiving went. It was good. It was good. Um, I literally was shoveling shit because a cow. Wait, like actual like, poop? Like yeah, like feces. So <laughs> <laughs> we went to my grandmother's country house, and there is like a sewer line that goes out into a field. And a cow had trampled it somehow. All I know is that there was a busted line and there was a lot of mud and poo water and it didn't smell particularly awful or Wait, anything. Wait, it was human? I think it was, I didn't see like poop. It was just like the water and everything. I saw cow, cows came by and like freshly pooped into it, which was nice. So I was there on Thanksgiving borrowing my grandmother's work boots trying to make sure there's not scorpions in it before i put my feet in them wearing my lightest wash denim because i never wear it and i was feeling risky that day and that's what happens and i was shoveling shit for a good like 20 minutes and then we barricaded it and called it a thanksgiving Wow, so if y'all at home think that you had to tolerate a lot of shit at your Thanksgiving yeah. table, <laughs> just think about what Morgan had to deal with. Great. Yeah. Let's get into some paranormal activity. <laughs> Whoa! So the I'm story excited. that I'm going to tell you comes to us via the Weather Channel. <laughs> now, I know... Okay, everybody relax. Everybody, every network and their mom's network has a paranormal television show. And the Weather Channel is uh, not unique in this. They have their own show. I think it's called what? American Paranormal. What? Baby, you don't even know. <gasps> so when I was a freshman, sophomore in college, I had cable television and no friends. So that meant I found a lot of strange things <laughs> on television. <laughs> and the Weather Channel was a favorite. And they have a paranormal television show, like I said, called American Paranormal. And it's always a paranormal situation that in some way relates to weather. And they frequently, in these in these episodes, will talk to meteorologists and scientists. So this is actually probably the most scientifically sound... Okay, there are the there are more real scientists on this ghost show than any other ghost show that has ever happened. I feel confident in saying. Wow. But they don't speak to the paranormal activity <clears throat> pretty much at all. But we'll come to find. Okay. <laughs> okay. They're just there for show. Well, they're just there to explain niche phenomenon. Let's let, we'll I, I'm let's, imagining let's... a horror show and then like with interrupted weather update breaks. <laughs> It's not super wrong. Let, let's see. It's more okay. subtle than that. Let's let's okay. find out, shall we? So the, I will be talking about the ghost of Catherine's Hill, which is one of the most famous. Um, well, I mean, if you're a rural New Englander, <laughs> one of the more well-known legends uh, in New England. And it takes place in uh, the southeastern shores of coastal Maine. So I thought <gasps> this might interest ah! you. Because cool. Morgan is descended from Mainers, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, it's on. A, it takes place in a in a very kind of desolate, wildernessy road, winding road called Blackwoods Road, and Blackwoods Road goes through a village, town, a settlement uh, called Down East. It's literally just called Down East. That's. 
they're like oh yeah well i was born and raised down east like they just didn't ever think huh. to call it anything else other than it is just happens to be call it east. Down east why not so why give it another name and just confuse <laughs> people so on the surface it's a very standard hitchhiker legend a woman stalks the road, sometimes headless in a white dress, and if you don't stop to help her, it may be the last thing you ever didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you see that come across a lot in folklore and in legends. Uh, even like Corpse Bride, the abandoned bride in New Jersey, there's a bridge that there's a woman at the end of. Like, there's a, a lot of that happens, but what I thought was really fun about this was that so many residents of Down East, which have got to, like, they've got to have, like, maybe 600 people living there. I don't fucking know. And, um, no disrespect, Mainers. And, <laughs> like, a very significant portion of them have stories to tell about this phenomenon. Ooh. And New Englanders aren't liars. No. They don't exaggerate a story for flair. Except for Stephen King. He's got flair. But he took all the flair from Maine. He just sopped it up. <laughs> Stephen King sopped the flare from Maine with a <laughs> sponge and left it dry, brittle, and cold. And that's what happened to Maine. Once again, no offense to Mainers. No, we, so, uh, we love Maine. We love Maine. <clears throat> I've been to Maine like three times in my life. Once it was specifically for jam. <laughs> I go just for of- Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh, It feels right. They Wrong love, answer. They love Dunkin' Donuts in that area more than Starbucks. We can't talk about it's... this or I'll get off on a tangent. So the... <laughs> she nods. <laughs> That's fair. So, so it began... The legend itself began in the early 1800s. And at that time in Maine, lumber was king. There was a lot of virgin woods. And they were just ravaging it, basically. And selling it off. So lumberjacks were like fucking everywhere. And Blackwood's Road, the road that is supposedly haunted now, was used almost exclusively by lumberjacks. However, in the legend, there is a young couple in the early 1800s who got married and apparently the woman was very lovely and the man was basically just a stand-in. And, um, <laughs> and they're riding to their honeymoon on a horse-drawn carriage, the ones that don't have a roof, so basically like a cart. Romantic. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sounds like the worst time in the world. It does. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so they're riding to their honeymoon. However, where could they possibly be going? Because that road, like I said, was almost exclusively used by lumberjacks. Yeah, and wouldn't it be really cold? Yes. Shouldn't they have a cup? A cover would be ideal. They probably would have had one if they could have. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm sure they would have liked that very much. <laughs> so they're writing down because she has, I don't know, dreams of cutting down a tree. So that's where they decide to go for their honeymoon. And uh, a thick fog engulfs mm. them. Ooh. A fog so thick and intense that they could not see like three feet in front of them. And as a result, their horse just walked off a mountain. Oh, oh, oh no! Oh my god! Oh no. And in every version of this tale, Catherine is beheaded as a result. Oh my god! Oh my yeah. god! So, what? there it is. Now, if I may, let's have a small talk about fog phenomena. <laughs> it's this about is, time you asked. This is when they brought in a weatherman. <laughs> and he was like, so there's two different kinds of fog. There's advection fog and radiational fog. And he literally talks about the different kinds of fog. And I was watching this with Ian and Ian was like, does it feel like they've been talking about fog for a weirdly long time and i was like ian this is put on by the weather channel and he was like oh he was like oh suddenly fantastic content wouldn't change a thing go for it so they spend a considerable amount of time and they consult multiple meteorologists to talk about fog oh my god 
really, you don't need to know much else other than it, fog can obscure your vision significantly, and it is terrifying. Once I got sent home from a friend's house at like 1 a.m. to drive home on the highway, and there was fog on the highway, and <gasps> it was terrifying. Oh, I bet. I could not see 10 feet in front of my car. I had oh no God. idea if like the trail riders had decided to stop in the middle of the highway. Like I would have no idea. <laughs> it was terrifying. And you oh, can't just like blaze your lights through it. It's awful. Yeah, yeah. And when you're in just like a carriage, you're just fucked. Oh yeah, they had no light at all probably. Maybe nope. like a lantern. Like one candle light. Probably not. It's crazy. Probably well, just the light light of the moon. Anyway, they're also so in down east. The weather phenomena in down east uh, is extremely volatile, and uh, because of its proximity to the coast and also its extreme northern location, uh, they have really horrifyingly bleak ass winters, and they are susceptible to really intense thick fog banks just like moving in. So just. Put that in your pocket. So now I'm going to tell you some experiences. <laughs> Just these weather notes are cracking me up. I'm like, why did I feel the need to define advection fog? I wasn't going to bring it up, and it's frankly irrelevant. But I took a meteorology class and it was terrible. And this just gives me like a weird PTSD of that. But somehow I just needed to know the difference. All right. So they talked to a woman named Angie Hall. And the way that this documentary was set up, it looks like the filmmakers literally just went to the local diner, the grocery store, the fucking library, and were just like, hey, do you know anything about the ghost of Catherine's Hill? And then people were just like, oh, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Allow me to tell you everything I know, which is like fantastic. Go Mainers. (laughs) So Angie Hall is telling this story. She was 19 years old, living near the Blackwoods Road, where all this shit happens. And her little cousins were staying with her and her family. And her two little cousins slept in her room. uh, And she was also in her room. So all three of them are in the same room and they all fall asleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night because she felt like she was being stared at. When she opens her eyes, it turns out her little cousin is like right next to her face. And Uh, he's like really scared. And he's like, I want to get in bed with you. I'm terrified. And she's like, fine, but she's in a little bitty bed. So when he gets in, she just like cannot fall asleep again because there's just not enough room. So she's like, fuck it. After he falls asleep, she's going to go and sleep in his bed. (laughs) It was a really foggy night. (gasps) What kind of fog? I'm going to venture. Uh, (laughs) Advection fog. Because it's warm air meeting with the ocean winds being brought in by the wind in thick bands. Radiational fog, however, is a cloudiness near the ground in heat. Okay. <laughs> heat. So, heat. I think plays a factoring role. Okay, so it is a advection foggy night. And... She's getting up, about to walk into her room to sleep in her bed. And the fog was on their deck. She's so scary. And she scary. noticed, which she noticed when she switched beds. The next morning, she has she's having breakfast with the kids and she asks Brad about it. She's like, why were you so scared? And he said that he saw a woman on the deck. He said that she was wearing a white dress and she had long brown hair and... She basically looked exactly as Catherine has been described for decades and decades in this oh area. And Angie freaks out. She He didn't think like, to mention that to her? He was just scared. When you're I don't know. I guess. I would have been I like, Oh like, my god, look at this woman. Well, you and Brad are just different people. <laughs> Everyone handles fog differently. It's okay. (laughs) It's true. So that's one story. So it's like, boom, Catherine is actually kind of a roving roving spirit. Uh, So the next story is from a woman named Deborah. Now, Deborah was driving back 
from uh, okay the main accent can we talk about how weird yes. that shit is i listened I to one of the historians talk and i was like i cannot place how you are speaking but yeah. it is strange it's, very it's like specific. not it's not like wisconsin but it is kind of canadian but not in the same way that wisconsin is canadian you know what i mean it's kind it's, of like the typical what you'd expect of like a new hampshire person but it's a bit more <laughs> but grimy. it's new hampshire it's like weird yeah. things that they don't it's fully like, pronounce. Fucking, it's weird. Yeah. Ha. It's, yeah. It's weird. I don't. It's confusing. And it's almost like Old South, the way they don't like pronounce their R's, but it's like less like lilting and more like. Yeah. <laughs> My dad does not have a main accent at all, except for when he says room. He says room. Rum. That's that's Over a little there in the thing. rum. And room. in Stephen King movies and like Pet Cemetery, they're like, oh, well, the car comes down and we'll kill your baby. <laughs> it's like, do you remember that Scooby-Doo movie with the three, oh, were they eco-witches? What do they call them? And they had a band and they were trying yes, to solve exactly the, find the ghost. Yes. Yeah. The, the mayor of the town had the, oh, welcome there. Welcome to the town. <laughs> <laughs> he had that voice. Welcome and it was, to the town. It's very See? that, but a bit less peppy. That's hilarious. <laughs> so, Deborah is driving back from a barbecue in Bangor, Maine, <gasps> which... That's where Steve is? That's where he fucking lives. Is it? Uh, I don't know if it's Bangor or Bridgeton. It's one of them. Oh, there's probably not a significant difference. Yeah. <laughs> She's... So, her husband is sleepy, so she decides to drive. And they come a they come a con they come across the dark woods road, and she says during the day it's beautiful and gorgeous and surreally New Englandy, but during the night it gives her a really eerie, menacing feeling. Mm. And uh, I've had someone I think I mentioned someone that that rode into us told a story of how she listened to us on a road trip. Uh, through woods and how terrifying Ooh. that would be at night. Woof. Good so, choice. So as she crests Catherine's Hill, she begins to see just like fog just comes about. Unconcerned by this, she just like continues, but then she slams her foot on the brakes because she sees a woman standing amid the fog. <gasps> and it almost looks as if she were made of fog and her skirt is billowing and her hair is flying behind her, but none of the trees were rustling and none of the fog was moving. It just looked like she was somehow being swept up. After she stops the car, she's freaking out. She gets out of the car. There's no one there. And the fog is gone. What? I know. The fog is gone? The fog is gone. Gone. Explain that, meteorologist. Uh, I'm sure they tried. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Um, So she wakes up her husband and she's like, what the fuck? I I slammed on the brakes. There was a woman standing there and I got out and then there was no one there and the fog was gone. And he's just like, you relax, Deborah. It was just Catherine. And he was aware of the local legend and she wasn't aware of it at all. It was her husband that was like, dude, you just saw a fucking specter. Relax. Yeah, calm down. Yeah. What are you so upset about? (laughs) So, but she's freaked out and she won't drive anymore. So he has to drive all the way back. But she, she had, this was an interesting instance because she had never heard of the legend before experiencing. Yeah. So then the last experience that I will tell you about is my favorite. Oh, wait. Nope. That is not the last one. Good. Never mind. (gasps) This is the second to last one, and it may be my favorite, but I can't remember what the last one is, so maybe that one is too. (laughs) So this one was told by a man named Dennis Boyd, which just very much feels like a Stephen King character. Hell yeah. Dennis. So he was writing a book. It was so funny the way they narrated this. It was like, there are so many experiences on Catherine's Hill. You could literally fill a book. And then it was like, one man did just that (laughs) it was like okay it's kind of a strange roundabout way to you could but i don't know fill a a book book. wink wink dennis boyd wrote that book (laughs) so he interviewed a, a, a woman named abby 
And this is her story. So she didn't herself tell the story. She told him and then he's relaying it. She was a young child living in that area who had gotten very sick and her father decided it was time to go to the doctor. So they traveled the Blackwoods Road and reached Catherine's Hill. He saw what looked like fog, but as he got closer to it, he realized it was a figure. Abby's father reached behind. Well, he comes to a stop, assumes that she's like lost. He's like, what are you doing out here? Get in. I'll take you wherever you need to go. And he flips the seat forward so that she could get into the back of the car. Door closes and he drives off. And then he looks in the rear view mirror and no one is in the back seat. So he's like, oh, fuck. I think I just drove away from her. And he looks back in the rear view and she's back where he first encountered her. So he turns around and is like, so sorry, I thought you, I thought I had you in the back. So uh, she opens, so he gets out, opens the door, lets her get in. And Abby is sitting in the front seat. So it's dad driving, Abby in the front seat, woman in the back seat. And Abby remembers looking through like between the car door and the cushion like the back seat cushion Mm -hmm. seeing the woman's feet behind her like lace up old timey shoes and the dad talks to her for a while but abby doesn't remember her ever responding and then he's talking and he looks back in the rear view mirror and she is gone he slams on the brakes is like what the fuck gets out pulls open the doors looks for her there's no one there. There's no one back there where he had picked her up. And where she had been sitting and where she had had her feet on the ground were just puddles of water. Oh, my God. Years later, Abby heard of the legend of Catherine's Hill and understood that that was very much in line with what had happened. As a side note, Blackwoods is an extremely remote road, as I mentioned before, and there is a very high rate of accidents on the road. And apparently that's like, it doesn't seem like a very high number. I think it was like 30 in a year, but it was just for such a sparsely traveled road. It's a very high like ratio of accidents to like people that actually take the road. The last story I will tell is David Whitney's story. He was born and raised in Down East, and he didn't believe anything until his father had an experience. When he was 15, his dad told him this story. His dad was playing in a jazz band in a hotel on Harborside. Harborside. He was <laughs> driving home from... Do you know how many that fucking really people good. living in Maine that are, like, upset? Because I'm like, I only have the barest concept of what a Maine accent is. At least all my other accents are like at least a little bit more informed. This one I'm just like flying off the seat of my pants. <laughs> oh, oh, there God. is a comedian from Maine. If you want to listen to an accent for a good bit of time, his uh-huh. name, I shit you not, is Bob Marley. <laughs> okay, love it. <laughs> Fully into the this. famous Bob Marley, and he has like classic, what I assume is classic Maine comedy. It just <laughs> fits, and it you get to hear the accent. The main Classic main comedy? It's just, you know, going out in the woods and drinking a beer. Getting <laughs> fucked. <laughs> it's just... You ever notice when you're pulling up the lobster cages how sometimes the rust <laughs> gets under your fingernails and your wife's like, clean your fingernails. And you're like, oh, Maud. <laughs> That's so good. You've got, you've got the accent. Well, well done. Well done. Thanks. So his dad's playing in a jazz band and he's driving home after the gig at like 2 a.m. He's coming through the black woods. So just the fact that he's coming through the black woods from a gig tells me this is probably not like his big break. It's foggy. He's driving. Actually, this sounds exactly like something that the X-Files would do an episode on, except for Catherine would end up being like an ancient kind of roach. It would be insane. They would like flip it right on its fucking head. (laughs) So he drives up the hill and then the fog gets thicker and he sees a woman, sees a woman (laughs) standing in the road, waving him down. 
And I love the actress who did this, did like a very like articulated, like hand slow gesture. And I was like, look at you acting. (laughs) He cracked the window because he's like terrified by her. He's like, cracks the window just barely. And is like, do you you need me to help you? I don't really want to, but I feel obliged. And she was wearing a long white dress, waving as if in the wind, but he could perceive no wind. Her hair was flowing. (gasps) No, no, no. And he and she says, I just want to ride to Baja. (laughs) And he's like (laughs) the same fucking Simpsons thing. Whenever Lionel Hutz is like, excuse me, I must use the restroom drives away so he's like bye drives the fuck away i'll never go back to bahaba you can't make me well actually what happens is he gets chills the moment she speaks and realizes that he could um kind of see through her (laughs) so he gets the fuck out of dodge wait either you have a very veiny face, or those are trees I'm seeing through. Oh, God. So, uh, scared out of his wits. Right. Rolls up his window, gets the fuck out of there. Then as he's driving, he starts feeling immensely guilty. He's like, man, invisible people are people too. So... I'm going to be there for her. So he turns around and drives the fuck back. But there's no one there. And there he looked, shied his lights through the woods, couldn't see anyone. And there were no tire tracks behind him. So no one had come since. And like he would have noticed if there was someone because he had just literally turned around heading back the opposite way. And there wasn't a car behind him. So he was like, fuck, I don't know what's going on. The lady was just gone. He was extremely frightened and he was like, fuck, I just saw fucking Catherine. So he drives home safe and sound. The next morning, he lives to jazz another day. (laughs) The next morning, he's driving along the same road and he comes across a wreck. It was this horrible wreck that and he hadn't passed it when he was driving home at like 2 a.m. And he had come back early in the like in the morning. So it had to have happened between the time that he drove through and the time he drove back. So like within about five or six hours of that time, there was a horrible wreck. And it looked like there was no way that the person that had been driving could have survived. And... Uh, the way that he sort of justifies that was that like the only reason he was saved was because he had gone back for her but that like somebody else maybe had just been like man fuck you broad I don't fuck with translucent bitches (laughs) (laughs) and then just drove through and then she was like dead (laughs) and then that's happened oh my god some side notes in the area, there is a high concentration of quartz. Everyone. Think oh, about what that, what that might mean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so everyone knows about the association between yeah. ghosts and quartz. Yeah, we we all know. We're, no. A tale as old as time. <laughs> what? Uh, but there is some people think that when there's those there's more ghost i i think still waiting on the scientific journal on that but i think it's coming soon i think there's something with ghosts and energy so it would be irrational of me to think that i don't know science like something like that i don't know it's possible oh i'm literally not discrediting it i just don't know anything about it yeah <laughs> i i like if i were to talk about it it would sound like something about the energy that the quartz sort of emanates is in some way uh, amplifying <laughs> the paranormal feelings like i i i there's no real way to talk about it so that's yeah. what i'm just gonna say but they felt the need to include that. Also, did you know that weather is the difference between life and death? <laughs> I'm sure the Weather Channel knew. <laughs> well, 
One meteorologist had that to say. Like, who said that? Well, it's true. He was just like, it just goes to show that for some people, weather is the difference between life and death. I mean, in some cases. It's, I mean, yes. Yeah, it's a fact. It is true, sir. No one will say that you are wrong. Yeah. But I I found it to be a fun, impassioned little, like, moment for him to just say. Uh, He's been waiting so that, his whole life to tell someone that. I didn't think this would happen <laughs> on a documentary about paranormal activity, but I'll say it now. <laughs> hmm. Anyway, so that's the ghost of Catherine's Hill. That's... I've never... I've never heard that. I'll have to ask my grandparents if they have had any experiences or know anything about it. They may have heard about it, but also Down East is a small town. And most of the people there have been like there for not... Okay, the people themselves have not been there for 300 years. That would be very cool. But (laughs) their families, they're just like families of fishermen and then have fisherman kids who have fisherman dogs and fisherman friends and everybody's just a fisherman. (laughs) Or... uh, (laughs) fisherman (laughs) listen to my newest album everybody's just a fisherman and uh it's like a cocktail lounge song cocktail and he told me he loved me and i went down to maine (laughs) appreciate that for that opportunity my audio reel is going to be incredible. Uh, I literally I could create an audio reel of the fake songs that I have made up because of this podcast. Oh my god. We should we should release that. We should come out with an album. Oh my god. <laughs> like Bob's Burgers. <gasps> yes. I want it to be like a a holiday that there's never songs about like like Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving songs or Easter songs. You notice in Christmas songs, the tales of ghost stories from Christmases long, long ago. So, like, ghost stories are still, like, very much a Christmas thing. So, you don't you don't have to worry True. about us, like, lifting up. Like, yeah. on Christmas, we're definitely going to have a... Oh, it's Halloween some... all day, every day, honey. Well, I think it's just, like, all holidays have the opportunity for fear. Yeah. And we should really lean into that. Christmas is perfect because it's so not that. It's so happy and it's childlike not, though. and fun. It's like but there's that, also, it's... like... Listen, it's like that in America. In other countries, Christmas is not fucking happy-go-lucky. Really? French Christmas songs are literally like, And the poor children, they cry in the streets. (laughs) I swear to God that French Christmas songs literally are talking about poor people. Whereas American Christmas songs are just like, and this is Santa Claus, and here's a reindeer, and they accept him now. Like, n- no one is talking about real life in America. That's and in other countries, they're talking about, like, bleak-ass, like, little match girl shit. Like, kids dying in the cold. Oh, my God. And then in Austria and Germany, they've got Krampus, who's oh, like, yeah. fuck you, you ungrateful little fuckface. I'm going to kill you because you're not a good person. So, like... Christmas is very scary. And then also in England, um, which is basically like America light, they have, um, <laughs> I wonder if I just offended a couple people. I've been to England and they played the song Black and Yellow over and over in all the stores I went to. So, no. so point made, checkmate. And they have a Christmas carol, the fucking story about Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, yeah. And that's terrifying. That's that literally really... is about ghosts. Yeah. yeah. You know, Scrooge. And your that's also, if you're not a bad. good person, yeah. I will drag you to hell. So, like, there's a lot of really fun. In America, you just get coal if you're not nice. Yeah, you just get a In other gift. countries, you get dragged to hell. <laughs> <laughs> mm, love that good old-fashioned Christianity. Okay, let's, uh, I have a surprise for you. I have a listener story that I have not yet read. So if there's something in here that's not usable, then I'll just edit that shit out. (laughs) But it looked promising and I wanted to be as surprised as you are when reading it. Because I just think that's more fun. Yes. Yes. Okay. This is from a woman named Jenny. Okay. (laughs) 
Is that how she spells it? Uh, yeah, she does actually include sheet music for that. <laughs> Hello, my name is Jenny, and I wanted to reach out to you guys because I am a fan of your podcast. Thanks, Jenny. You, I always get really nervous when we get emails. I'm like, I oh God, somebody's going to finally see all the shit that I say isn't cool. Uh, <laughs> She says, I really enjoy listening to it on my long drives or while I'm having difficulty cooking a Blue Apron meal that claims to take 25 to 30 minutes, but we all know it takes over an hour. That is. Is this an anti-commercial? Yeah. We are with Blue Apron. (laughs) Oh, we'll take a short break. While you're out there, fuck Blue Apron. Lying (laughs) bastards. Lying, lying bastards. Casper Mattresses gave me rickets. I don't know. <laughs> that be the name of this. Squarespace gave me shingles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no. The stories that were told made me think about my childhood and some of the fucked up things that happened while I was growing up. Join the club. One story <laughs> in particular. St- <laughs> okay, go ahead. No, One story in particular stands out. I must have been about eight, no more than ten, when this, ev- when this event happened in my safe and sheltered neighborhood. The neighborhood was small and everyone knew everyone in each part of it. There were several families, all with kids approximately the same age as myself. That was kind of our neighborhood. Everybody yeah. seemed to have kids the same age. We were always meeting up to play games, ride bikes, or play in each other's backyards. My neighborhood was built as three cul-de-sacs. There was a long road off of a semi-main road that led up to three entrances. Wait. Long road off of a semi-main road that led up to the tree. Okay. Understood. Access to my cul-de-sac required going down the road, downhill past the first two cul-de-sacs that face each other, and around a right bend and then onward towards my childhood home. On an aerial view. Ooh. This is geography. Two cul-de-sacs. Will you tell me the topography of the land? Two cul-de-sacs were pointing west. Jesus. I wow. hope this woman has a very cool job where she gets to talk about these things yeah. well. Because I can't do this at all. Spatial no. organization is very, very, very hard for me. Same. Two cul-de-sacs. Okay, but you finished the graphs and maps section of the SAT prep earlier than I did. I remember in eighth grade. So don't you come to me telling me you have spatial issues when I literally remember that from eighth grade and was like, fuck. Oh, my fuck. God. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I'm sure you don't, miss. I know how to interpret graphs. <laughs> two two cul-de-sacs were pointing west one was pointing east surrounding this neighborhood was dense forest except my home where there was 35 acre horse farm oh wow. that sounds nice the neighborhood kids and i would frequently ride our bikes around these three cul-de-sacs and sometimes venture into the woods in the east cul-de-sac there was approximately a mile of wooded area before you came upon another neighborhood at the end of my cul-de-sac There was less than a quarter mile of wooded area before coming upon another neighborhood. As kids, it was intriguing that we would find new and exciting places just beyond the woods. And the river bend! We frequently traveled these woods, were comfortable, and never felt any threat exploring it. God, this sounds like a bad scene. But what was the weather like? (laughs) But did you know that weather can be the difference between life and death? Ugh. As someone from Houston, I probably shouldn't even talk about that lightly, but... No, weather is the... Yeah. But here we are. humidity will kill you. (laughs) No, I meant fucking Hurricane Harvey. Oh, (gasps) true. Baby! Yeah, you're right. I was driving... On the drive to the country house, we passed by this giant plot of land where they had taken a ton of cars that had flooded from Harvey. Uh Uh-huh. And it was so many cars. I had never thought about all the flooded cars. It was so sad. Well, weather can be the difference between life and death. <laughs> true, true. My mother was busy raising the four of us, and with myself being second oldest, she had her hands full with two very young boys. Oh, I feel like every story we get sent, their moms are always kind of distracted, and yeah. that makes me sad. She was very trusting of us and of the neighborhood, so for me to go out and play in my neighborhood alone was not unusual. This event also happened over 20 years ago, so this was a different time as well. She's right. This was before Stranger Danger. I'm sorry to bore you with the prelude, but it's important in order to understand how this event affected me. Baby, don't even worry about it for a minute. You know we love a good setting of the scene. Ugh, you know. (laughs) I decided to travel to a friend's house in the east cul-de-sac one afternoon. 
I told my mother I was leaving and heading over to the, her house. She acknowledged, and then I left on my bike. <laughs> I acknowledge your information and request. Granted. <laughs> Goodbye, child. And then I left on my bike, around the corner and up the hill. The hill was steep to an eight-year-old. Oh, it's probably just a tiny little incline. She's like... <laughs> <laughs> so my pedaling slowed down a lot, and I was more just rolling the bike along with my two feet. Oh. <laughs> On my right-hand side, there was a very steep hill with dense forest full of pine trees. Between dee, 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 full of pine trees between my cul-de-sac and the east cul-de-sac, I heard a man shouting behind me on the right-hand side and stopped. I turned around to look in the direction of the shouting, trying to understand who it was, where it was coming from, and what he was saying. He must have been a teenager or young adult, eighteen to twenty-one years old. Oh God, does that mean I'm an adult adult? Ah. He had blonde Devon Sawa hair. Who's Devon Sawa? What? I like this it. up. Devon Sawa Casper? Question mark? Who's like the friendly ghost? Is there another Casper? <laughs> Mattresses. Hold on. Oh, yes, he played. Okay, he played Casper in the 90s Casper with Christina Ricci, where he turns human and then is like shockingly hot. Oh, I'll have to look him and up. And he's basically the reason that everyone our age is like weirdly half attracted to Casper the ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, uh. Also funny that she knows his literal name. Yeah. I don't think any of us knew his name. Wait, I lost my place. Okay. Was tall, fit, and wearing a long sleeve shirt and jeans. Mm, why fit? He was standing to the right of me, approximately 50 yards away, on top of the hill near the pine trees. I squinted my eyes to better see this man shouting what he seemed to be for me. Shouting what seemed to be for me. I later realized I needed glasses. Squinted my eyes to better see this man shouting what seemed to be for me. I later realized, huh, grammatically don't understand, but I appreciate the words anyway. He sounded panicked and in desperate need of help. He was calling out to me saying, my friend is hurt. I need your help. I thought, I'm fucking eight. <laughs> I'm fucking That's eight. That's true, girl. Adults don't ask kids for help. No. That is a fucking thing to take to the bank. That's how kids get marked. Yeah. I'm fucking eight. What the hell can I do? So I sat on my bike and stared in confusion. Good girl. He walked a little towards me, again shouting, come here and help. We need you to help my friend. Dude. No. Eight-year-olds. Can't. If you need help, like making remote controller cords fucked up then call an eight-year-old yeah. but eight-year-olds can literally do nothing else yeah this went on for maybe two to three minutes but oh it felt God. like 15 minutes i sat in the middle of the road <laughs> on my bike staring at this older boy as he's never seen before as he called for me i looked around to be sure I looked around to be sure it was me, that there wasn't someone else behind me or a car coming. I love this kid oh just like, looking over Ooh, his shoulder like... Me? Me? I'm Help? fucking eight. <laughs> you? Now? And he's just like, can you please, can you just come? And she's like, mm, are you me? talking to me? <laughs> the, this was the only part of the entire neighborhood where there were no homes, but just forest. Ooh, girl, That's, get the fuck out of there. Yeah. For a second, I thought maybe he was from one of the other neighborhoods and really did need help. I decided nope. to start dismounting my bike to see no. what was going on. If anything, I knew my mom was home, so I could also always grab her if his friend was really hurt. My mother always taught me not to trust unknown adults. That's there. That's true. But he wasn't an adult. Oh, damn. Oh, he was a teenager, and it seemed to be okay. If anything, trust unknown teenagers less yeah. than you trust unknown adults. <laughs> I flipped my leg over and started to get off my bike when I heard another voice in front of me. She had long, straight brown hair, was about the same as age as myself, maybe younger, and riding on a pink bike towards me. She just said, hello, what are you doing? I felt instantly at ease. My own panic and fear quickly subsided when I saw another person my age. I squinted at her, too. Yeah, baby, you need glasses. <laughs> Even though she was right in front of me. I have never seen her before in this neighborhood. I asked her if she was new, but she ignored the question. 
She asked me again what I was doing and if I was going somewhere. I kept looking back at the man in the forest, so confused because he was continuing to shout to me. The little girl never acknowledged the man and stayed totally focused on me. Frustrated, I told her to look at the man in the forest, asking her if she has ever seen him before, telling her that he is scaring me. Finally, she acknowledged his presence, turned to me and said, oh, that? Just ignore that. Where were you going? Let's go there. I hopped back on the bike and pedaled with this new friend up the hill, turning back frequently to evaluate the man in the pines. He stopped shouting, but just watched us. I kept watching him because I was afraid he'd pursue, but he never did. My new friend, however, didn't look back or mention it again. We rode our bikes to the top of the hill, finally reaching my friend's house. At the base of my friend's driveway, I thanked this little girl for biking with me as it made me feel safe from that man. She shrugged it off and said, okay, I have to go now. I waved goodbye and she walked up and turned to walk up the driveway and ring the front doorbell. In the process, I turned around to see which direction she was going in so that I could find her here again in the future, but she was gone. She was nowhere to be seen in any direction. I tried to explain this to my friend, but it was soon forgotten during our playtime together. When it was time for me to go home, I told my friend I was too scared to go alone. She biked with me back, and fortunately the man was not in the pines anymore. I never saw that man again. I asked around about the girl I saw the other day in my neighborhood, but none of the neighbor kids have heard of her. I asked around about the girl I saw the other day in my neighborhood. None of them kids have heard of her. Her name now escapes me with time, but I can remember her face so well. I never saw her again either. I'm convinced that this mysterious girl not... That had this mysterious girl not appeared when she did... I would have met a terrible fate in those pines that day. Whether she was a ghost, a guardian angel, or just a kid part of the neighborhood, she was never seen, and I'm convinced that she saved my life. That's amazing. Wow. I literally have goosebumps Me all too. over my body. Me too. That's oh my incredible. God. Okay. Oh, and then I'll finish this and then I'll talk. Okay. I hope you found this interesting. Not sure if I should be happy or sad that I never saw this little girl again. Thanks for taking the time to read this and please keep going with the podcast. It's ah. my most favorite part of my day. Cheers, Aww. Jenny. Jenny. Wow, Thank Jenny. You. This was. Okay, wow. I literally still have goosebumps. Yeah. This is incredible. That's. So. What a badass little girl. She was things. like, oh, him? Fuck that guy. Literally. She's like, don't look at him. Don't yeah, acknowledge him. Don't even we are give going, him the time of day. We're going where you need to go. Also, props to Jenny for not immediately being like, oh, I'll help you. Props to an yeah. eight-year-old for literally being like, I'm eight. I'm fucking eight. <laughs> I can't help your friend. Oh, this girl followed her instincts. Good on her. And held out for a long-ass time. And I bet that little girl was there seeing what she would do. And once it became clear that she was not going to ride to her friend's house, she was like, shit, I got to I got to do something. Yeah, that is amazing. amazing. I would love to know if there was any reported crime in that area in that time. Yeah. Although I'm sure it wouldn't be fun to know. No. If there were, and if like, I'm not sure you'd want to know specifics of the fate you escaped. Like, I'm sure that can't do great things for your mental state. But Jesus Christ, that's so incredible. That's incredible. Um, things yeah. that made this. What's so interesting about this is that this sounds exactly like the setup of what happens in the 80s or 90s to kids that are preyed upon basically Mm -hmm. there is a remote area there is a child alone and an adult asking a child for help which never actually happens like it it never happens without ulterior motive Mm -hmm. and it just had such a feeling to it that that's where crime happens you know what i mean like there was such like a Wow, you really dodged you did. maybe a literal bullet. Like Yeah. Oh my god. That Thank God you didn't trust him at first. Thank God you had to squint and were thinking about it. Thank God for that little girl. I'm curious why he didn't Pursue. just go up to her. If he's a spirit 
I don't think he's a spirit. I think he's just like a. I think he's a douchebag. Like I think he's uh uh, probably like a either a predator or a murderer or both. I don't think he's a spirit at all. It seems like the girl had some sort of prior knowledge about him. Well, maybe she just knew that his his motives were bad. Had nefarious motives. I think it's weird that he kept repeating it and wouldn't pursue. That's strange to me. Probably because maybe she would have run away if he, like, got close to her. Yeah, and he might have been seen chasing someone. True. True. That's true. That's true. Thank God for that little girl. I wonder if there's, like, if she's a spirit, if a medium could contact her after all this time. If she's, like, kind of connected to you. I don't know. Well, maybe she's a... She might just be know, a neighborhood a guide, gal. a guardian, a like a someone mm. that came in the form that they knew would be most comforting to her. Oh, a yeah. Girl of her own age, also on a bike. Like, it would have been strange if an adult had walked up and helped her. Like, maybe she would have also felt Yeah, nervous. that would have been like, sketchy. She said that she was comforted specifically by seeing a girl her own mm. age. So maybe it was one of her guides or a guardian oh. angel or a relative even that has passed. Like someone looking out for her that I was like, goosebumps I'm going to. goosebumps again. <laughs> oh, like is going to show up in a form that would be the most comforting yeah. to her. Yeah, that's amazing. What a great, what a great story. Definitely. Not so great because there was risk, but oh my God, that's, that was beautiful. Thank you so much, Jenny. We love getting these stories. Yes. Oh, my God. Thank you, Jenny. If you are a listener and you have a story like this or just of anything paranormal, creepy happening, send us an email at letters to camp at gmail.com and we may just read it on the show. Um... You can like us on Instagram at Scary Stories from Camp Row. We have a Facebook group, Scary Stories from Camp Roanoke. Um, 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 um. Give us a rating and a review and a subscription. That really helps us. And if you didn't like it and you've gotten all the way this far, don't worry about <laughs> reviewing. You are more than welcome to listen to something that makes you happier. Yeah. We are yeah. not forcing you to stay here yet. <laughs> so... So just know that and stay tuned and we love you and we're so happy that you're listening and we're so happy to call you our campers and uh, we want you to have a spooky night. Filled with restless dreams. Of haunted things, even though we love you. It's strange, (laughs) but it's necessary. Bye bye campers. Bye.